Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're getting ready to go out. You want to get in the mood. There's a playlist for that. You move to the beat. You trip over the dog. You're not dancing anymore. You open the Medibank app and find a physio. We live in an on-demand world. And now your health insurance comes on demand too. Download the new Medibank app today. Away from Tigerland, a fighting fury. We're from Tigerland. In any weather, you will see us with a grin. Risking head and skin. If we're behind, then never mind. We'll fight and fight and win. For we're from Tigerland. G'day everybody and welcome to the 6th edition of Tiger Tragics. Mitchell Scott is my name. I'm sitting opposite Tony Shebeki. G'day Tony. G'day Mitchell. How are you? And Carl Bianco is his name. G'day gentlemen. Great to be with you again for another episode of the Tragics. It's fantastic. We've had our second win in a row now. We're up to 7-4 and four. Tigers. We're starting to look pretty good. Uh, if you've just joined us for the first time, we, we sit here every week and we kind of just... It's like three blokes who are Tiger Tragics really just sitting around talking about the team that we love. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly. We're like three mates at the pub just mourning our club some weeks and celebrating other weeks. And this week we're certainly celebrating because Richmond suddenly at seven and four. Big win over a hoodoo team of ours, the North Melbourne. We've yep. beaten them once Correct. in the last six years. And in that game, they rested half their team and then flogged us the next week. So Richmond finished up 14-17, 101 to North Melbourne, 9-12, 66. Uh, we're actually, we actually trailed at half time, but then a third quarter effort where we just floored them. A couple of umpiring decisions went our way. Um, oh, Finnegan. Yeah, finally, Jeez. the rub of the green, the rub of the green, Shebex. Um, and it was a it was a stirring six goal to one third quarter, and that's really what set it up. And unlike previous weeks where everyone starts to think that Richmond might wilter, we held strong, we held firm, we went on with the win and one by six goals. So great, great effort all around by uh, Richmond. Tony, your first impressions? Well, my first impressions, especially on that first 10 minutes of the third quarter, is that's probably some of the best football I've seen played by any club this year. It was slick, wasn't it? Oh, jeez, they were good. Oh, I, I had to actually check to make sure that I was watching a <laughs> Richmond game because I'm, I'm not used to seeing that from the Tigers. They were really slick. R- pressure was amazing, and it was just good footy to watch. So thumbs up for those 10 minutes. Can we have another... 30, 60, 90, uh, 110 more of those plays. Well, Tony, uh, Tony, uh, Dusty said post-match, he reckoned that was the best football they've played all year. Oh, but not that they've played. The best football I've seen uh, yeah, all yeah. year by a club it's, in a 10-minute spurt. It was pretty blistering. And I think it, you know, I'd like to think that Hardwick, I know that last year probably doesn't count, but I reckon that, that final against North Melbourne in 2015, where I think they were caught 37 was the differential for the contested ball count and the hunt. We actually lost the contested ball on the weekend, but we just the hunt, the pressure that was applied, uh, I reckon he might have been showing that for a bit of motivation before the game to say, come on, guys, get out there and really hammer these guys because you know, we owe them one, and we sh- sure as w- well did. Carl, what did you think? I thought our third quarter was the best quarter of the game. I mean, you have a look at it. We kicked six goals in the third quarter compared to North's two goals. We just dominated. We dominated the third quarter. We we had a couple of 50-metre penalties that went our way. For things that 
I mean, we had one oh, go. Put them aside, Mitchell. Put them but aside. They, but they, yeah, but I just we talk about the rub of the green, and every week here for the last four weeks, I reckon we've had something to complain we, about. We with actually the umpires. had some umpires decisions in favour of us this yeah. week. Yeah, so let's just accept that and not worry about the umpires. Okay, <laughs> next next point. Next next point. <laughs> well, Jack, Jack actually didn't get any favours in the first half, but Robbie Tarrant was all over him. Uh, hugging him, umpire went the right way on that. Dusty came to light. Dusty was BOG by a mile yep. again. Uh, Thirty-eight possessions, couple of goals, including that blistering one on the on the uh, in the third quarter. Just got away from his opponent. One bounce, fifty-five out. Just thank you very much. Uh, am I right in saying this? And I and I'm probably not. I'm probably way off the mark. But it seems to me like players are actually scared of Dustin Martin at the moment. No, no one wants, wants to, to go near him yeah. because they know they're either going to get a, a, a hand in the face or the chest. And he's going to make him look stupid. It's uh, and the players just want to play away from him. And I and from an opposition perspective, you know, we see what what doing what tagging Rory Sloan does to Adelaide. You stop Sloan, you stop Adelaide. I'd have thought that mentality. You should at least try and sit someone on. No, Dusty. you can't. You can't tag him. Well, that's the. Well, you that, can't tag. Him. That's why we love him because mm. apparently you can't tag him. But should you at least try? If you're the opposition, should you at least try and just just run with him. Just keep that pressure on. At least just to because. Even if he did, make him have to force the fend off because he's don't just give him free hits because it helps us. I'm not complaining. I love it, but I just think the competition should be wise up to the fact that Dusty's clearly the most damaging player on the ground for Richmond at the moment. But he's not alone in that. There are plenty more people on the ground now for us. You know, we at the start of the year everyone was saying, "Oh, it's the Dusty show," and that's it. But finally, you know, you look across the board and there's a lot of players now playing their role and playing it really, really well. And our depth of list. I think if you asked this this time last year, you'd, you'd say, all right, Richmond's best 22. How many in that best 22 are what you would call, you know, just the top-ups, just the, you know, they, how weak is your bottom six, essentially, is the question that a lot of teams ask mm. as to how strong your list is. Mm. The bottom six is starting to look all right. Players like uh, Kane Lambert and players like Castagna and players like Jaden Short are actually really playing a role in there, and they're not looking like just passengers in this team that are carrying it. Well, there's a good article today in the Herald Sun uh, written by John Rolfe, and he talks about this brand-new band that's in town. It's the a m- covers band called Jack and the Five Footers. All right. And obviously it's Jack and his little merry men down the front. And here, one of the stats that just came out of it, I think this is beauty, the Tigers have created 34 and half turnovers a game this year, which is just amazing. Number they, one. Number one in the competition. They've laid the fifth most forward half tackles against North Melbourne. Of course, we saw it. They played play on at all cost footy. That blew North Melbourne away. But the stat that I was looking for is the stat that says, here it is, uh, Shea Bolton, Daniel Rioli, Dan Butler, Jason Castagna and Sam Lloyd. Bolton ranks fourth in the competition for forward half pressure. Rioli 8th, Castagna 12th, Butler and Revolt are above average. Champion data saying it is unprecedented to have five players in your forward half who apply so much pressure. It's massive, isn't it? We're changing the game. So last last week we were talking about how good our defence is and standing up and holding down forward lines. Fortunately, though, because we're the 12th worst team at scoring at the moment, our scoring just isn't happening. So fortunately, our defence can hold down teams in regards to their scoring, but our guys are holding the ball in that forward half. That forward defence, that forward pressure, it's immense, isn't it? You've got midfielders who are playing so well, such as, uh, and let's not forget, Cochin is playing pretty well at the moment too. I mean, he seems yeah. to be a little bit forgotten at the moment because of the way Dustin Martin is playing. But I think Cochin's playing some really good football compared to, his, to where he was at last year. This is a very different Richmond team to what we've seen for a long, long time. And I think the the beauty of it is is 
you have that forward pressure that our guys apply, but then we are set up so well behind that that should the ball get past that for whatever Correct. reason, well, David Asprey's there to intercept mark. Alex Rance is the number one intercept marker in the competition. He's there. You've got Dylan Grimes and Basha Hooley by their side, very ably uh, assisted by also Jaden Short and Camden McIntosh, who's finding some pace delivering out of the back. And, it's a it's and you know it's a great setup, and, I, it's, I, and it's ba- and it is basic football. Close your eyes and take yourself back to when you played under twelves and under elevens and under thirteens, and you can hear your coach saying to you at this point in time, when the balls in our forward half, I want our defenders to move up a little bit and form the wall. Make sure that ball can't come back. If it does come out of our forward half, our guys are there ready to kick it back in. Form the wall. We all learnt that in junior footy. The wall, the wall, the wall. Yeah. And that just seems to be what Richmond are doing at the moment. They are very, very good at getting that wall formed on the half, on, on the centre of the ground, effectively. So when that ball comes in, bang, it's back into our forward half again. Just basic, basic footy that they're doing very well. And Rance plays that sort of wicket-keeper role yeah. at, the, ba- at yeah. the very back of that wall. And, um, you know, it was nice to see... It was nice to see Jared Waite get a bath, to be honest, because yeah. Jared Waite's done a lot of damage to Richmond over the years. In the 2013 final for Carlton, and in you know 2015 the final for North Melbourne, he's been a real thorn in our side. And I just, I really enjoyed seeing him not play all that well. If I'm being blunt, just on that, I think the thing that was at an advantage to us is the fact that North Melbourne obviously had a lot more list changes across the off season than what we have, we we have had. And you look at, you know, they got rid of, obviously, Petrie. Four very experienced players. Yeah, Petrie, 1,200 games worth or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It was ridiculous. When That's you get, a lot to take out of a team. Get, you look at look at Hawthorne, they lost two. Yeah. Lewis and Mitchell. And look at the amount of trouble that they're having from losing two experienced players. You take four blokes out of your team, it's going to... It's going to take you a while to recover, and they've yeah. been they've been all right despite that North Melbourne. I mean, oh, I had I had my fears going. I mean, for for the first half they looked all right, and I had my fears going to the game that oh they just mat, they just doesn't really matter who's in or who's out, they match up really well. But uh, friends of mine always used to joke that oh you know as long as Boomer Harvey's playing because Boomer always used to kick two and get twenty eight against Richmond. I think was his average. He was always the one who who would tear us up. Um, they, they always used to joke that, oh, when Boomer finally goes, then, you know, we've got a chance of beating them. And then, sure enough, what happens? Boomer goes. We couldn't escape him during the TV coverage. He was there at halftime everywhere in Channel 7's coverage. But we uh, we got the win and we got the uh, we got the points deserved. I thought um, I thought it was Dean, uh, Dean, Dion Prestia's best game for the club so far. Uh, still needs to work on his kicking, to, to, to be polite. But he's in the right spots. He's getting more of the ball. Uh, and he's doing better things with it, but he's there's still the odd sh- shocker that comes off his foot. And luckily, I guess because of that forward pressure we've all just been talking about, chances are the ball comes back to him very quickly for another go at it to to make amends for it. We're finally getting to see what all the fuss was about. Yeah, that's what you're saying. And, and I think that you know he still did have that knee soreness that he was sort of getting through in the off season, and he did miss a few weeks there, some sort of round six and seven uh, to deal with that. Um, Basher Hooley had his best game of the year. Uh, much maligned Basher Hooley last year. I thought this time last year he'd gone from you know being our best kick in the comp, best kick in the team to probably our worst. He'd become a liability with his kicking when it was actually the, you know it's the one reason you want him in the team was his use of the ball coming out of half back was used to be spectacular. I think he's refound uh, his form and I think he's refound that place in the team. He, his pressure was outstanding. There were a few times where he was intercepting and just getting in the right spot, really threw his body on the line. Mm. He's not he's not really known as that sort of a player to just throw himself at the ball and. Um, um, you know, and take the hits. I, you know, the, the the knock at him always was that players like him and Grig were and Brandon 
else with downhill skis. You know, they don't go for the hard ball. They sit outside, wait for the for the easy kick, and away they go. But no, I found um, Bash, Bash is doing a lot more now, and uh, and I think that's it's kind of reflective of the team as a whole. Well, he was one of five players on the weekend that had 30-plus disposals. I, I, just to be able to say that, I think, is a great achievement by the Richmond Football Club. I haven't heard that heard of that in a long time and Bashar was one of those five so credit to him and credit to the side to be able to have that happen on the weekend I suppose it shows how much more ball we're getting how much harder they're working off the edge to get the ball there was the one thing that caught my eye and you know, we spoke, we were speaking last week, and I suppose we'll probably it'll come up again shortly about um, our forward line setup, and you know, Jack and the Jack and the was it was Jack and the, and the Jack and the five and the five footers was it? Jack and the five Jack and the five footers. I was really worried that North Melbourne were going to be really tall defensively because you got you got Robbie Tarrant back there. He goes to to Rewalt, and then you've got guys like. Uh, Lockie Hansen, who can play tall, and you know D- Todd Goldstein can drop back there. I was really worried that we were going actually going to be able to, you know, just get the ball in there and and have a decent set shot of goal, maybe take a mark. But we actually smashed North Melbourne for marks inside fifty. It was fifteen to eight, and that was because the game plan has we've actually adjusted to this mosquito fleet to the point where we're not just bombing it long anymore. Yeah, we did at times, but we found so often we kept we lowered our eyes. And there was a Castagna coming out this way or a Butler coming out this way. And we just, we had a couple of marks denied us actually because of, uh, you know, they said no 15, but just because of that clever sideways kicking that we were using once we get to the forward 50. So we're actually uh, adjusted that to get clear sets, clear sets of goal, which brings us to probably a point I think you wanted to make, Carl, that um, despite that many set shots, we're still we're still yeah. negative, negative 50% in terms of conversion. We just kept, we're not making the most of our forward entry. Every time we get the ball inside fifty, you know, if we get a mark inside fifty, most of the time our set shots go mm. through for a behind. They're not going through the big stick. So I'm not sure what's going on as far as our conversion rate in front of goal. But like, we just can't kick goals when we. It, it's just. It was yeah. Four, well, it was fourteen seventeen for the game, mm. um, and Look, in that second quarter, when we, you know we ended up trailing at halftime, we kicked three goals six. Look, we're not. We're, I don't know where are we as far as rankings overall in the AFL at the moment. Uh, I think you do, are we twelfth. We'd have to be yeah, closer to the so bottom. Yeah, they're uh, they're twelfth for offense. So we're the twelfth mm. highest scoring team. That yeah. needs but, to improve. But we're one oh, of the. Yeah. yeah. But but we're you're one not of gonna, the. You're not, well, I say you're not going to win finals being that low because but finals is a totally different game. But mm. this is sort of this is Fremantle proportions, isn't it? I mean, Fremantle still went on to make grand finals. If you can, if you scored, if you're if you're twelfth in scoring, but as long as you're, you know, right, great, great, great the there defensively, team. as long as you're kicking more than the opposition, and, and that, 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 that's it, the Ross Lyon mentality. That, that, that's well, that's the whole mentality of football, though, yeah. isn't it? If you score more than the other team, regardless if it's only two points to one, you win the game. Yeah. So, and the knock on, well, the knock on Adelaide this year was that they. Uh, yeah, they might be kicking scores of 150, 160 plus, but they're still leaking 100 points a game. We're not kicking those sort of scores, but we're not leaking near that much either. I mean, what was North Melbourne in? They, were, they kicked 66, they kicked 9-12. They, granted, they missed a couple of sitters as well. Um, and I read, you know, I, there, there was this perceived pressure all game. Um, you know, we speak about the pressure where, like, Todd Goldstein misses a sitter from 10 metres out because yeah. of this perceived pressure that they had on them. And I think that's... Everyone, everyone was talking after the game. Oh, North Melbourne had a shocker. I, I actually think it was more that was more relative to what Richmond did in the game. I think they they had a shocker because we didn't let them execute properly. Mm. Mm. Um, I want to pay tribute, pay tribute to Damien Hardwick 
and I say this in the, you know, I'm not, this will sound soppy and whatever, but, you know, this time last year, he, uh, everyone was calling for his head. We ended up having board upheaval, um, and everyone was, you know, they couldn't believe that he'd been recontracted for 20, uh, till 2018. At the start of twenty, at the start of last year, everyone was calling for his head. This time last year, we were in four, four and seven. The club stuck fat. They made changes around him, um, and now we're reaping the benefits. Now, how much? The question, I suppose, for you guys is how much of this turnaround do you give credit to Hardwick, or how much do you give it to to everything else? It's a good question. I give partial credit to Hardwick because obviously he's a senior coach and he makes a lot of the key decisions when it comes to how we set up on the weekend. He's the senior coach. He's one of our crucial people. But I also give a lot of credit to the changes in our assistant coaches as well. I think that needed to happen. If you look at any of the successful clubs within the past 10 years, they're always changing their assistant coaches. Hawthorne, a prime example. Look at how many coaches have come out of the Hawthorne camp. So from my perspective, I think that's something that we just haven't done. We've you know, invested a lot of faith in our assistant coaches and our, our team over the years and that's probably why when it came to last year we just had a massive halt and went backwards there wasn't enough changes being made there's no the new off-season. thinking coming yeah, the best, the best yeah. move they made was to get Lepic back into the club yeah like, I Justin agree Justin Lepic was fantastic as an assistant coach at Richmond hence the reason why he got the job at Brisbane well yep. he was he was uh, pivotal in 2013 when out of that three year run well, that's when we played our best football yeah, that's when we had the right out. balance of attack Correct. and defence and yeah then, you're, then he got uh, he got uh, taken by Brisbane to, up to go up there. So to get him back into the fold, because normally that doesn't happen once you sort of leave and you know people move on. So to get him back into the fold was a masterstroke by whoever came up with that idea. And the other one's Blake Carousella, I think, from the from the actual assistant coach's perspective, he because he brings a hardness into it, doesn't he? Well, he brings that Geelong IP mm-hmm. as well, and that, and I think he's probably been pretty pivotal in that shift of game plan of. Uh, it was noted earlier in the year that some of what Richmond's doing this year is pretty similar to what Geelong was doing last year in terms of its uh, the pressure and the contested ball and uh, the and the, the forward setup. I think mm. that Blake's probably brought some of that in with him, and it's been great for us and our and our thinking. And you know, success breeds success, so he's had success down there. So fingers crossed. I can't remember if I mentioned this in our first or second podcast, but an observation I made because I was sitting up on the level four at the G um, and you, you can see a lot of the ground. Obviously it's a great observation sort of area. Yeah, yeah. An observation point. I was close to obviously where they form at three quarter time, quarter time for their quarter time huddles. And one thing I saw in particular in the three quarter time in the game against Carlton round one that I had never seen before was well, obviously because Carousel and Caddy hadn't been at the club before, but Carousel had pulled Caddy aside and had a word with him, and I saw him having a fir- firm word with him. Obviously, you know, Carlton had a little bit of momentum, I think, in the lead-up to three-quarter time, and it yeah. looked like if we didn't get on with it in the first 10 minutes of the fourth quarter that we maybe could have lost the game potentially against Carlton. We didn't, thankfully, but you notice that in early in that fourth quarter, Caddy kicked a goal, which was an unbelievable goal. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that really sparked our run in the fourth quarter to get the job done. That was an observation I made. I think... Mm-hmm. Carousella and Caddy, obviously working together at Geelong, are having an influence in our game plan at Richmond these days. Not necessarily Caddy himself, but Carousel is having a big impact on how we see our team line up on the weekends these days. Well, have a look at our, our setup at the moment. We talk about Jack and the five-footers. There hasn't... I'm just trying to rack my brain... Uh, we're not obviously copying a setup of anyone that, that of anyone that's had great success of recent times, are we? 
Hawthorne haven't had five no, real look, good small men that they could. No, I mean they've, 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 they've had that balance of setup where they've had, uh, you know, they had Puopolo and Rioli or roughhead and, uh, and rough with even roughhead and, rough and, uh, and Gunston and Franklin and, and, Gunston, and yeah, yeah and so they've, it's always sort of been one or two complementing and a couple from the midfield then run through there as well. But in terms of just mass numbers of of guys under 185 centimeters, uh, guys under six foot, it's not really. It's not it, to have this much success. It's not really uh, heard of. Well, it's mosquito fled stuff of Carlton and that back in the eighties, isn't it? Oh, Frio, I'm trying to think. Frio when they had uh, Walters up forward, but they still had Pavlich up there as well, didn't yeah. they? Really, mm. I suppose. And Mundy, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 new territory, I think, for, certainly for Richmond supporters because we've always been crying out for you know we need these big tall forwards, I suppose, because. Um, you know, it's it's been part of the Richmond DNA, I suppose. You know, from Rochi and um, you know uh, Richo and those types, we always just need to. We always see our hope and destiny in these great big men. Jeff Hogg, <laughs> Jeff Hogg. <laughs> the, well, I suppose K, and K, well, KB is the paramount. Oh, he's a giant. Well, he, he's the but he's the <laughs> he's the paramount uh, midfielder who under six foot. I'm going forward to finish my career and just you know. He's a legend. He's got a statue, and uh, he's he he shows the success that we can sort of have doing this sort of thing. Did um the one the last thing on the North well, Melbourne game? Just you on KB. Yeah. A comment was made uh, during the weekend by a commentator that Dustin Martin is now the best player at Richmond. Has surpassed sorry has surpassed Matthew Richardson as the best player at Richmond since Kevin Bartlett. I don't know about that. Richo kicked eight hundred goals. Rich, Rich, Richo, Richo, the knock on Richo is he played in one final series, mm-hmm. won one final, and, uh, you know, he did come th- second or third in the Brownlow medal in his last year. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't think Dusty's there yet. I don't think, Dusty's won one B and F. Depends on how you look at it, though, I reckon. Uh, it's a good debate. He could, he could win one Brownlow. He could, if he, if he wins a Brownlow and if he wins some finals, then we'll start having the conversation. The bookmakes decide to give money away now, have they? So a lot of them are. Three dollars twenty-five for Dustin Martin for the Brownlow. Uh, no mm. one's close to him apart from Patrick Dangerfield at the moment. And yeah, he I reckon. Had, and he had no. And he had a four-game. Dangerfield had a three or four-game period where he was very ineffective. Josh Kelly's had a pretty good year. Yeah. Mm. Does he get noticed enough by the umpires? I suppose that's that's the thing that's in Dusty's favour. Is he's very. You know, every time he's got the ball, because he's there. He is covered in tats. Uh, he's fending off. He's running away. He's doing blistering things. He's kicking. is phenomenal. He's always he's, he's booting at sixty meters and putting it on the chest of someone on the run. Um, and he kicks goals and he wins free kicks. So and that's what, and that's what Dangerfield does. And I, if you're picking one right now, geez, that's a good that's a good question. Dangerfield or Dusty? Dusty. If you could if you could swap if you could swap in front at the moment. If you could swap, but if right now, the, but forgetting forgetting dust p- p- past. And future, if you well, I suppose including future, if you were if you could start from scratch and you got those two players up against the wall and we're starting afresh. Oh, so it's the old uh, high school. The old high school. Up <laughs> against the you wall. Pick first? I'm picking one. Are you picking Dangerfield or are you picking Dusty? Dusty. I'm picking Dusty. You picking Dusty? Yep. Yeah, I'm probably picking Dusty too. Mm-hmm. Um, he's off well, to New well, Zealand what, for the bye week. What does he? They're very similar players. In the, I mean, they they're both giving you the opportunity to get an extra couple of goals on the sheet. They they're both good goal scorers. Yeah, they're both very physical players in the way that they demand the ball and take the ball forward. I mean, Dangerfield very easily bakes through a tackle, very much the same as Dustin does. You don't see Dangerfield get caught too often. No, their thought their thought process of the game is phenomenal. And I think I remember a few years ago, and it was one of the. 
one of the things that's always stuck in my mind, Michael Voss was asked a question about why he believed Gary Ablett was so good as a player. Gary Ablett Jr. was so good as a player. And he said the reason why Gary Ablett is so good as a player is his ability to know what he's going to do with the ball before he gets the ball. He has the ability, or he had the ability, I don't think he has it anymore now, I think that's past him. He had, had the ability to be able to look at a situation, say, right, I'm going to get the ball, I'm going to go through that hole and get the kick out to that bloke over there on the right. And would do that. And I think that with guys like Dangerfield and Martin are exactly the same. They have that sense of knowing what they're going to do with the footy before they actually get it. And that's why they make it seem so seamless. Because they, so they, they already know. For us, we're thinking, well, what's he going to do with it? But he's already, he already knows that Jack's going to come off the lead and he's going to come out of the middle and bang and put it up there for Jack to take the grab. It's a... Uh... It's 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 something that we need to make sure we hang on to at the end of the year, oh, which we'll no we'll, obviously, we'll obviously we'll obviously well I I I'll bring this up now. There was a person in the crowd that had the banner saying "Come to Dusty North." I would argue that after the weekend, they're no chance of getting him. Why? If you're Dustin Martin, why would you go to that club after seeing what you've the, the terror you've been able to cause amongst them by you know running rampant with thirty eight and two goals and you know half their they had a pretty. I thought the crowd was reasonably low for. For you know, big marquee game. I know there's not you know it's a it's the bye weekend. It's not it's not a long weekend, but um, North was selling general admission tickets for I think sixteen bucks, and it just the crowd was I think mid mid thirties. It didn't really. I thought you know I would I would have thought for a game like that you know North North's up and about pushing for 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 top eight. Richmond's pushing for top four. Um, you're dusty. You want to go to a big club? North ain't it, mate. So, no. so um, Patrick Dangerfield said on three uh, W. On the yeah. weekend, he was working with them as a special commentator. Said that, uh, was asked effectively, does he believe that Dustin Martin will leave Richmond? Mm. And it was a, a good insight from a player who's, who's been there. Been there. there exactly. Yeah. He said, you're not going to move for fifty dollars to $100,000. Not when you're in his pay echelon. Perhaps if you were a younger player searching for an opportunity. But for Dusty... In the category he's in, I don't think he would be moving for as small as a sum of money as I think it would be. There is going to be money in the salary cap to pay you good players. Dusty is that, so I expect him to stay. Well, everyone's been talking about it. And we've been saying that. We said that, haven't yeah. we? He's not going to go for 100000 200000 if he believes that Richmond are in an opportunity of winning a premiership in the next two to three years. And they're showing very much now. They're putting a very, very good case forward, which is why... Um, you know, it's probably not such a bad thing to, you know, just when he comes back from New Zealand, just ask the question, where, where, where's your head at? You're still thinking about that because we're ready to talk. I suppose the, once the CBA is done, I know everyone was talking about, oh, geez, you know, how can, Richmond aren't going to be able to talk about deals like 1.2, 1.3 million a year. I tend to think they, they, we just don't really know, but I tend to think they can. I mean, they did clear out Delidio, They did clear out Yaron. Yes, they brought in Prestia on, on, some, on some decent money. Um, Caddy, I don't think they're paying near what people might expect. He's not There'd a, be a little bit of a war chest there, I would have thought. Yeah. We're, we're not paying 100%, surely, of our salary. No, I don't, no. I, don't, I don't think so. We'd, We'd be so. maybe 96, 97. Well, on that, we'll have a little bit more money in our tank when uh, Yaron's officially... Yeah, when he, well, there's another reason. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. that's another reason. Obviously, that was unfortunately... Um, uh, and yeah. we are we are paying some of the Lidio's contract this year as a means of yeah. moving you on, but there's there was still four hundred or five hundred thousand there cleared up, and that and that'll be completely gone by by next year. And aren't we coming out looking all right out of that deal at the moment? We have got two first round draft picks next year, and he hasn't played a game yet. Mm-hmm. So, what's more to say? Can I just say on the whole Dusty thing as well? I think he's one hundred percent staying at Richmond, and I think the proof was 
after the game, the way he reacted after the win with the crowd. And oh, he's the a way tiger. He's, he's a, he bleeds yellow and black. Well, he even did, he even did interviews yeah. after the game. I mean, he spoke to Channel 7, spoke to uh, Lee yeah. after the game. He was, he's up at the crowd. He's hugging fans. That's he's it. getting selfies. He's handing out footies. I know they all have to do that, but he he spent a considerable amount of time out there, as a, as a lot of uh, a lot of the players did. I think because it was an away game as well, they really they really do make an effort to go down to the cheer squad and say good day and and show their worth. And he he doesn't shy away from that no. dust. He really embraces it. Which is now I'd love to know if there was a caveat on the Lingy interview as to whether or not he could ask about contract situations. We did. Uh, he he kind of asked about it and then. Moved on from it. He asked, no, another radio station asked him in an interview with Dusty post-match, yeah. and Dusty wasn't there to answer. As soon as the question was started to be asked, he just took his headphones off and walked away. Not about, and yeah. you know what? That's that. Good on him. Good on him. I'm surprised no one was at the airport on Sunday to, to you know, <laughs> after they gave away that he was going to New Zealand. I thought you know someone might have been there to try and ask that question, but I where, suppose where everyone was, knows where was Steve O at. Steve He's usually the one. No, 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 no. Steve, 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 I was at AFL doing game day, so oh, that's that's where that's he's, he has commitments here on a Sunday. Um, which brings us now. We've been talking about the, uh, the the forward setup. We've got a couple of injuries that weren't in the actual AFL on the weekend, but just go to our depth, and that is Todd Elton shoulder, Ivan Soldo hip, but should be okay after the bye. He'll have a have a rest, and away we go. The question is now: If Todd Elton may require surgery, the word is his shoulder may have popped out, and it's just yeah. They're saying it seemed like it was dislocated, and they're going to make that decision as to whether he gets the surgery or not to to tighten up the ligaments and, and if, make sure it all goes work. And well. if he has that surgery, that would put him out for a considerable amount of time. And considering that, if uh, you know, we do have the buy this week, but Toby Nankervis, who I believe uh, is the AFL Trade Recruit of the Year. I'm, 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 I'm yet to fight. Like in terms of what we paid for him, which was a, I think it was a late second rounder, to the impact he's having. To he's just what Sydney could use only, right now. He's only played like, twenty two games, it's, and he's only twenty two years old. Yeah. It's amazing, but he is. They call him the Widowmaker mm. because he just he just does damage. And he, mm. but he, but he's got that. He's an old fashioned ruckman, and he's mobile. He he's not. Jumping up, putting it down, people players' throats like a, like a, a Nick Nat Nui or you know like Matt Gorn was before he got injured. But he's uh, he's just durable. He runs around. He's 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 actually plays like a ruck rover. He actually he gets he finds space a lot. I've seen him do a couple of shimmies and fend offs, and he can and he's very good by yeah. foot. Um, in ter- I think he's just as crucial to it to to it and reflective of everything in terms of the success we're having this year. The question is if he goes down. What happens, particularly if Todd Elton um, is is injured? Did we feel like we missed that second tall on the weekend? Because I mean, we had plenty of success without them. But is that going to be a, an issue moving forward against certain teams? Well, Ben Griffiths is off the cards. We know that he's yeah. uh, he, he's indefinite. So you're right. I mean, you got to have some sort of backup. I mean, even if Jack goes down, yeah, if Jack goes down, God forbid. forbid. Exactly. I mean. But that could be disastrous for Richmond. So yeah. we are lacking in that height department, and it goes back to what you were just like mentioning a few minutes ago, the fact that we've got those two first-round draft picks for next year. You would definitely look, and I think we're in a prime position to get a good tall or a good solid forward, and that could be a Jack Gunston. Yeah. I, you know, I would be going to Hawthorne, who don't have a pick until pick 47 or 46 of next year, we'll give and you saying, f- we'll give you a first-round draft pick for Jack, for Jack Gunston. Gunston. 
Mm. And they, they would probably take that. And you get a good six or seven years out of him. And I think it's going to serve our purpose for the next few years. And, he, and he's not one of those players that we're looking at getting as a top-up, mature top-up player, just to fill your list for a year or two. No, he's, we, he, you, he's, a genuine, he's a genuine star. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, this is where we raise the point again. Should there be somewhat like a mid-season draft or a injury replacement sort of uh, clause that you can have if if you do have a, if you oh, are placed in yeah. I don't want to expand our conversation into it, but you know we see in other codes there is such thing as injury replacements where if some of your key players are injured, you are able to you know obviously bring a cover. I'd say that's what the rookie list is. For. Yeah, but you're not, yeah, exactly what I'm saying. But you're not, but you're not uh, topping up a player like for like. Are you losing yeah. a player who's got experience up against a player who's never played a game of AFL before? And that's why when you look at the at, the yeah, club's rookie list general setup they tend to have with you know a, a ruckman, a couple of midfielders, a couple of talls, and um, you know Soldo was, yeah, was a rookie was yeah. a rookie lister who got upgraded. Um, then he went. He, it's funny he got downgraded because Broad got back on the senior list, but then he got immediately upgraded again because they just moved Hampson over to the longer term injury list, and he went straight back up. But the I suppose the name that's forgotten in all of this is um, is Soldo's cousin, Marriage. And could he potentially come in and just sit at set a half forward and rotate to ruck? He can take a mark. I think if he had to, he could come in. If we were really, if we really were stuck, as in Nankervis was injured for a few weeks, then you'd have to look at probably having uh, Marich and Soldo in together because Soldo would have the legs being younger and Marich could play that centre half role and rotate in the ruck. Yeah, yeah you'd, you'd probably be right there. My only worrying thing with with that with Marich is it. Right until now, they've still felt that Elton and Soldo are ahead of him. Now, Soldo, I think they're probably thinking more about the future, and and I suppose probably with Elton as well. But you know, on numerous occasions, they've both gone out of the team and then come back in. But that, but that's fair thought. I mean, I, I don't think anyone expects that Ivan's going to play for too much longer. No, I think he's done at the end yeah. of the year. Mm. But the question is, is who's the best option right now? Are we, and we, I suppose we're at that, that point where we're blooding enough youngsters to maybe we need to go and put another experienced head in there. But that's at the same time, we're 7-4 and four as a result of that youth and that coming through. So Don't ask Carl. He'll just say put Sam Lloyd at full forward. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. I didn't think he... I didn't, I, Look, I think he didn't have a great game, can, Sam Can Lloyd. I just say on Lloyd, though, I don't think he's in there necessarily, you know, to be a full forward and to kick a bag of goals. It'd be nice if he did, but I think it's the small things and the leadership that he brings to the side is the reason why he's in our best 22 at the moment. And... Again, it's the small things that he's doing that he's influencing. In front of goal, he's been a bit average, but he can be a, a game winner. You know, he can. He's proven that against Sydney last year and on other occasions. He's kicked a couple of crucial goals to get the spark going when we've needed it most. So, I think we still value him in our best twenty-two. The two injuries, aside from uh, Elton and Soldo, who are currently out of the side, still uh, Reese Conker mm-hmm. and Nick Vlosten. Vlosten should be right to come back in after the bye. Which he is was good. Which is good. So well, he, well, it is good and it's bad, isn't it? Because who's going to miss out? I mean, oh, I'd, say very... Con, I'd say Connor Menager is probably yeah. the one to go. Okay, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you're right. but even he's playing really well. Yep. He's uh, you know in terms of the, the bell curve of where he's going, he's certainly starting to follow that up. And um, you know, if Boston comes in, he can run through the midfield again, which allows um, allows Brandon Ellis to play more back on that half back role, which he's been doing really well at this year. Um, and then, yeah, I suppose if, if Conker comes in, who Conker naturally has been also going into that sort of back pocket 
uh, line there, then you know Sam Lloyd's not exactly a necessarily a, a natural like for like swap. So there's a bit of thinking to do for the Richmond selecting selectors and for Barmy and the team to to go through over the buy. Well, you know what the good thing about it is though. What? Is that they don't have to consider the option of bringing these guys straight back? No, they can put them in the VFL, make a move in their Correct. keep. Correct. Ben Lennon kicked well, another four. Well, not in their keep. I mean, they come back from injury, but they can put them back in the VFL and make them wait and and yeah. go hard for a position to become and then get them yes. back in when they reach Correct. peak form. Yeah. yeah. For the first time in a long time, we've actually got some quality depth with our AFL side and the VFL. There's a lot of people pushing for, to be in our best 22. Well, Miles is just about BOG every week exactly. in, in the Richmond VFL, yeah. so I can't get a game. Um, Be, uh, ben Lennon kicked four on the weekend. Richmond did go down. The only the only issue I have on Lennon is the fact that he may be kicking four or five goals in the VFL, but that just doesn't translate when he plays AFL, it's, unfortunately. Seems to be a big gap, doesn't it? Yeah. And he's probably the one who is probably Sam Lloyd's spot is, if in terms of if we're doing a like-for-like like swap, he's the one who'd be pushing on for Sam Lloyd's spot in the mm. team. But, uh, look, they've got the bye now. Um, Shebex, who are you tipping this week? I'm tipping the bye by 10 goals this week. <laughs> mm. It's worked I think so it's well. A big since chance. You, I think we're going to lose. I think we might, you might lose to the bye. Yeah. Um, we'll, we come back next week. Next week, we're going to do the uh, we're going to do mid-season review. We're going to go through player by player, where we think they're at, make, give an overall grade, um, and reflect on some of the games we've done so far, because we haven't got a game to talk about from that week. Um, and, we'll, and we'll have a little bit of look, look forecasting forward as well. Um, the last thing I just wanted to touch on in a very general sense, I don't want to go into the specifics of it, but it is a part of, it is a Richmond story, and that Ben Cousins, uh, his, uh, his partner did the tell-all on Sunday night last night. Uh, uh, May Lee and she essentially made the plea to Ben get yourself right he's in prison at the moment as we know due for release in a couple of months should he get parole um, and the sad thing is you re- you reflect on it and I just think it's just a, it's just a sad story for everyone now really isn't it this is beyond being a footballer's downfall this is this is the serious um, the, the, the serious and sad decline of a, of a mm. human being who now might find himself in a spot where he's where he's his life's in danger for himself. And, and why are we talking about it? We're talking about it because there's been some allegations about things that he may have done during his time as a Richmond there player. Was, well, Richmond, to, to, for those who have... Plough's told this story ad nauseum when, when he's been on SEM, but when, when he was recruited to Richmond, um, he was uh, he, he, he was brutal about it. Uh, in the, they sat him down and said, right, are you, you know, where are you at? When have you last used? And... and Ben was was open and honest and said, "Look, I've used today." And Plough came to the conclusion that if we don't recruit this guy, uh, you know, they treated it as a welfare issue. If we don't, football is what's going to help Ben in in moving forward and and save his life, basically. So that's why they recruited him and gave him that opportunity. Where and we won't go into detail, but there was some conjecture around. There was a time in Ben's career at Richmond where he did end up in hospital. Um, and there's a little bit of conjecture about why that was the case this morning. Um, and it, it, look, he is a Richmond player for, t- for for two years. And I mean, Richmond fans uh, do did have a soft spot for him at the time. And that's, I suppose, why I just wanted to touch on it. Because uh, for two years there, he was a Richmond player. He, Richmond sold thousands of memberships off the back of him joining. When, when Dimmer came into the club, they kept him for another year. They put their arm around him. Um, and, you know, he did leave at the end of 2010. And it's just a sad state of affairs for someone who who is who is a Richmond who played twenty odd games for Richmond. Unfortunately, has really battled since then. And uh, you know, Ben, we wish you we wish you all the best to get yourself right and uh, and get on with it, mate. Because this world needs needs you in it. Do they have computers in prison? Can he listen to the podcast? 
Um, I don't, don't know. Don't know. Good question. But, but, uh, but if you're I'm, listening, I'm really proud of my club for what they did at that yep. point in time. Well, and you were covering it a lot. Yeah, for us yeah, yeah I was. Yeah, exactly. Really proud of my club for what they did. It was fought with danger though, and could have turned into a disaster. It didn't. Thank God. I think for the two years he was there, nothing drastic actually happened. No, well, he was much he was much loved by the end yeah, of it. I mean, he exactly. was Rich, Richmond. The Richmond faithful really got around him as one of their one of their own, and you know he. He, he had a couple of injuries in that first game where he tore his hamstring and then he battled, you know, he, he was never going to be the player that he was having sat a year out and just with what he was going through. But um, he was serviceable. He, he he was a mature head in a football sense amongst a team that was going through list changes at the time. You know, Plough, Plough was moved on and, and then they, they sort of had to set up the, the, the what they what we what we've got now and, you know, new heads came through and they, they saw a, a sense in, in keeping it. But... Um, yeah, it's just it's just sad now. I think, unfortunately, and mm. Tony's tirade for podcast number six. Yes, we're going to Fire try away. and come up with every th- something every okay. week. Tony's my tirade. tirade. My tirade for this week is that for all those people who are out there on Facebook and out there on Twitter bagging the Richmond Football Club, saying you've beaten nobody yet and all this sort of stuff, you, you've you've lost to clubs above you and the like. Stick it in your pocket. Shove it up your backside. Keep to yourself. Where is your team? All those people that are out there saying that Richmond is this and Richmond is that, when nothing. Have you got one in front of you there? Or? Well, no, no, I've just got the ladder. I was just oh, going to okay. go through who we've none beaten. Of, none of you barrack for the GWS Giants because they've got no supporters. No, they have over 20,000 for the first time ever. They've got no supporters. Cats and dogs. <laughs> none of you barrack for Adelaide because you wouldn't be jumping on Facebook for Victorian people. Or you wouldn't be you know, a friend of mine if you were in Adelaide. So mm. none of you, you might barrack for Geelong. But I presume the majority you either barrack for poor Western Bulldogs, Melbourne, Collingwood, St Kilda, Essendon, North Melbourne, Hawthorne, Carlton, and maybe even Sydney. You're all below Richmond. Yep. Talk to me in a few weeks' time when you're above Richmond, and we'll see. If you're, if you're not above Richmond... Keep your freaking mouth shut and worry about your own footy club, not ours. I couldn't agree more with you, Shebex. I think when it comes down to it, you can only play who you put up against and where you spot on the ladder. I, I'm a big believer in where you are on the ladder reflects where you're at. And generally, generally, you should have beaten the teams below you and you might have lost to the teams above you. Now, when I look at the ladder, Richmond lost by a kick to GWS, who were first, got smashed by Adelaide, obviously, who were second. We haven't played third yet, yet we're fourth. And we, we, we lost by a kick to the Bulldogs, who we should have beaten, who were sixth. We beat seventh. We lost by a kick to eighth, but we've beaten ninth, tenth, twelfth, thirteenth, and 17th and 18th. Now, that you can only play who you're up against, and all those teams happen to have lost to us, which is why we're above them. So, bad luck. Suck it up, Princess. It's Tiger time because we're now going into the bye. We're seven and four. We're ripping and, and rocking and rolling. And when we've got the next four weeks where we face, who have we got the next four weeks? We've and got you know what? The Tiger train isn't an express. No. We are proud to stop at all stations yeah. and pick up passengers along the way. And then we'll see you at the MCG in the first weekend <laughs> of September in front of 95,000 fans and we'll be exactly. ready to go. Now, the next the, we'll talk about this next week, but uh, the, the next fortnight we've got the buyer this week, then we play Sydney at the SCG. Uh, Sam Lloyd might be hung into the team just, to, just for that game so he can kick a winner after a siren again. Then we play Carlton again, who we should beat, and then we play Port Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. That that might that's a toss of the coin 50-50. Yep. But we do have a re, a reasonably good record over there um against Port Adelaide. So who knows? But look, 
it's been a pleasure, gentlemen. It's, it's nice talking about wins. It's nice talking about good things. And uh, next week, as I said, we'll do the mid-season review and we'll go through everything then. But until then, enjoy the bye week. And go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Whether you've overdone it at the gym, at the dinner table, or on the couch, AHM Health Insurance have a cover for you. Join direct at ahm.com.au.